Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. How dare you, Detroit Red Wings? How dare you? It's hard enough <laughs> to stay awake in general. It's even harder to stay awake at 10, 10.30 at night and then sit through three periods of hockey when you're on the West Coast and everybody is dying inside. It is just flat out rude to make all three of those games go to overtime. Do you know how many third periods I saw this, this week, Ryan? <laughs> in real time. How many third periods I actually saw out of the three? One. None. Zero. <laughs> I fell asleep in the second intermission in every one of those games and had to rewatch the third period the next morning. <laughs> I I liked how every single time you predicted it. And last night, I actually was like, oh, you know what? Brad might stay awake for this. I um, You had a lot of momentum going forward. And usually, like, I'll be in the podcast account, like, you know, uh, interacting with people from the podcast account, retweeting stuff from our personal accounts. And like, you know, once literally once in a blue moon, like whenever there's a blue moon, Evan will likely be tweeting and only then. Uh, And you like like clockwork after the second period are just done out cold. And I know I I'll make you know me, I'll make fun of you for anything. But for that, I'm like, this guy has a second kid. And his first one's still a tornado. She is still a little terror in the best way. We love her. Um, a torn shoulder and all the other things that you have wrong with your body. So, you know what? I'm actually impressed that you made it through two periods. I, the sad thing is, it's not like I planned, oh, I'll watch two periods. I'll record the rest and then wake up the next morning. No, I tried. Yeah. In every game. I'm like, no, I'm going to finish the game. Yeah. Um, and it's the Red Wings don't do anything in the middle of games. It was like partway through the third and uh, Greg Krupa tweeted, he's like, this game has been an absolute slog. Like even the scoring chances that have come through have been awful. And I've done the first from Vegas, the Vegas game, the Anaheim game, the LA game. I made the same mistake. I pre-typed out like just a shell for my game notes. And I didn't do that for the San Jose game because for all of them, everything went nuts in the last 10 minutes. I was like, I am not falling for that again. And lo and behold, the San Jose game went wild. The Detroit Red Wings were inconsiderate on this West Coast road trip. Uh, they are technically uh, on a two-game losing skid, but from the time they visited... Ryan, they're on a five-game point streak. We're the we're glass half full on yes. the Winged Wheel podcast. Yes, we absolutely are. This well, is our, our known reputation. They beat Vegas, which they're apparently very good at doing, uh, and then beat Anaheim, which we talked about last time. But since we've spoken last, uh, they beat L.A. in overtime. And they San lost to Or sorry, they lost L.A. in overtime, and they lost to San Jose in overtime. Gotta lose those toilet bowls. They gotta lose the toilet bowls. Man. When's our game against Minnesota? They, they've taken the reins. Have they actually? They are dead last in the NHL. Why are they doing that? What's that about? Uh, have you seen Minnesota? Uh, boy. Uh, what are the league standings like right now? Because I know Detroit was... Look. We thought it would be a three-team race uh, to the bottom with Detroit, Ottawa, and LA, and several new challengers have entered the race. Guess which statistic Detroit leads the league in? Games played. Games played. <laughs> uh, Minnesota is a point behind them for first place in the lottery division or last place in the league, but... They um they have two games in hand, and so points percentage Detroit is still leading the charge. Yeah, it's remarkable that through that entire skid, there is anyone even close to Detroit because you think they'd be where, um, Ottawa was last season. Several new challengers have entered the race, Ryan. Before we get into that, 
reviewing the games and everything else, I want to mention to you that this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is sponsored by Labatt. Celebrate with the, the celebrate with Labatt Blue and the Detroit Red Wings all season long. Uh, whether they're on a West Coast road swing or a homestand, find your specially designed cases of Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light at your local retailer to hashtag Cellion. Keep your eyes peeled for limited edition Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light team cans. Labatt official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings and of these two beleaguered Canadian winged wheel podcast host hosts, hosts. but Evan hostess hostess, hostess also sponsored I, by not nah, I no, could go not. for a Twinkie no not as Evan if Evan was here we'd be saying no free ads I'll give them all the ads if they want if they send me a goddamn Twinkie <laughs> you sound like uh, what's his name from Zombieland I'm so hungry oh my god is but that, unlike him I would accept a snowball is right that now. your infant son crying again this kid is what three weeks old? Now? Two weeks old? Uh, What's yeah, he's two weeks old. November first. November first. He's still crying. What a baby! What a baby! Uh, Evan, where is Evan? I actually don't. He's on a vacation, and hell if I could tell you where. <laughs> when I booked my cruise, what did I tell you guys? Like June. Something like that. Yeah. Evan told us he was going to be on vacation for like two weeks, November. Yesterday. <laughs> He's like, yeah, hey, you won't see me for two weeks. Just sends us a snap from the plane. Yeah. Honestly, Evan doesn't actually, Evan actually never sends us anything outside of, what are we doing this week? The podcast, Evan. Oh, when? <laughs> Sunday, Evan. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the Red Wings. Um, I'm trying to think about notable things that happened in the games, and it's kind of difficult. First of all, congrats to everyone who stayed up and wa- stayed up and watched uh, it was tough. Um, let's talk about the LA game. Tyler Bertuzzi. Well, the first line for Detroit was absolutely phenomenal. Tyler Bertuzzi, two goals. Larkin got in on it. Mantha got in on it uh, on both. Mantha. Us two of his most underrated attributes: speed and playmaking. That saucer pass to Bertuzzi was filth. Yes. Was ab- the Red Wings top line very gifted with backhand saucer passes? Yes, they are because Larkin did the same thing in overtime of last night, last night's game against San Jose from like the blue line, a backhand saucer pass to Athanasiu, who was on fire last night. Show of hands here, who had Larkin finishing third on that line in points this season? Because mm. that's where he sits right now. Uh, I want to get back to Larkin's point totals, and I'm going to say something controversial that Adam gave me this little tidbit of information. Which so, Adam? We know a few Adams. Uh, Adam Lascaris. Okay, so you just so you know what you're walking into here. Yeah. Um, it has to do with power play points. Larkin's bad on the power play. Not bad, but, but we'll talk about it later. So the Detroit did end up losing that game. They were up 2-1 over LA. Uh, they let them tie it up with under two minutes left in the third, and then LA promptly um, finish it in over T, I think, over T, over time. Uh, they finished it within a minute. And so it was a bad last two and a half minutes of the game for the Red Wings. And then with San Jose, it was kind of a back and forth game. Just a real, like a real slog, like Greg said. It was not a fun game to watch for big stretches of it. And you were just like, this feels like the tail end of a road trip. Two, two things noticeable, notable about that San Jose game. Yeah. Uh, I think we can say it now. Athens is back. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, he's regressing to the mean, which in this case is a very good thing because mm-hmm. pucks are starting to go in for him. And it's, it's amazing how that happens. Yeah. Right. Um, and the Red Wings third line scored the first goal of the season. 
legitimately like that sounds sarcastic. That's a literal statement. I think, yeah, it, it was very serious. Um, Perlini got his first point as a Red Wing. Taro, Taro Hirose got his first goal of the year. And it was a nice goal, too. Yeah. And I think that was very important for both of them. Um, you could be unimpressed by Perlini, and that's totally fine. I don't think he's been a, a showstopper. But uh, he took some time to warm up. But I do think he has warmed up. And he's been generating a lot of chances and putting himself in the right spots the past couple of games. But it's just not been going in for him. I think I tweeted last night that um, uh, Perlini has stolen Athanasius' anti-goal mojo. Yeah. Or willingly took it from Athanasiu to get him going because he is finding new and creative ways to not score. He had Martin Jones. He had an empty net and Martin Jones got it with like the quarter inch corner of his pad. Mm-hmm. And per, mind you, put set up Perosi for the goal like two minutes later. So I'm sure he wasn't too disappointed. But yeah, it's not that they've been the biggest producers, but it's amazing what happens when you put two skill players like Perlini and Hirose on the third line. Um. Back in the L.A. game, I think Chalosky had a particular, particularly good game. I think he was Detroit, probably Detroit's best player uh, if Bertuzzi didn't score two goals himself. Um, and that was stemming off of uh, Chalosky's OT winner against Anaheim the game prior. So that was really important for him because obviously it's been a rough start to the season for him at points. I don't think he's looked particularly bad. I think it's been more hot and cold. Uh, but yeah, stemming from that OT winner, I think he had a good game. Uh, the Red Wings defense, though, oh my God. Um so last night against San Jose, Dennis Chalosky was the only NHL regular dressed for, uh, I guess you could count Bowie, but when everybody's healthy, he's been healthy scratch. So yeah, you could say Chalosky was the only NHL regular in the lineup. Chalosky, Bowie, Hicketts, McElrath, Erickson, Biega. Every single one of those defensemen has been healthy scratched and or sent down to the AHL at some point this season. Every single one of them. Not all of them should have, but that's another... That's a different debate that we've had and probably will continue to have. Um, if San Jose lost that game, they would have had to have given us Tomash Hurdle. That's, them's the rules. That's just that we were playing for pink slips. Yo, isn't that the new Madden game right now where if you lose, you have to lose your top player? Yeah. Yeah, we, <laughs> Hurdle would have been ours at the end of the game. Yeah, and if we lost, we also would have given them Tomash Hurdle because we would have had no one else to give them. <laughs> Uh, Fabry almost destroyed Hurdle. He almost put Hurdle on a highlight reel when he walked him. He stole the puck and then walked him right after. Twice. Yeah. Oh, God. Fabry continues to look good out there. Seven po- uh, six points in five games or seven and six? I can't remember. He's just over. He's got one more point than games played. Yeah. Which means he has the best points per game on the Red Wing. Therefore, he is the best player on the team. I will hear no further debate. <laughs> uh, Luke Lendenning's first game back and had, of course, an inside-out toe drag. Through his own legs. Yeah. Weird is Luke Lindenning is good for just eight. What the hell was that? Good moments a year. And then we it just disappears for 10 games. Uh, Athens used goals last night. I think they were particularly important because they were goals that he wasn't scoring before. They were those were the ones that uh, weren't going in for him. Like get in uh, on a clear break and then deke, like quick deke to the backhand. You're not trying to out like deke the goalie out of his pants but you're just moving so fast that he can't catch up to you laterally laterally and that was what wasn't working for him before and that's what worked for him last night and then of course the very clear open net that he had on the one-time pass um thank the whole game every single time the red wings went down on a two-on-one and this was like tyler bertuzzi was a pretty bad offender of it last night they would go down on a two-on-one bertuzzi would be looking the pucks on his forehand he'd be looking to his right body framed to the right, showing pass. Eyes and head turned to the right, showing pass. 
puck on his stick, not even pointed towards the goalie as if he's about to shoot. So he's showing pass. What does he do? Pass. Mark Edward Vlasic just goes, okay, and stops the puck. Every single time on a two-on-one. There's no deception on those plays. The only person who does it well, Valtteri Filippula. Mantha's great at it. Mantha, Mantha did. I mean, <laughs> Mantha doesn't even have to like look. He's just backhand sauce. Uh, but a lot of players on the Red Wings have been messing it up. And I think Valter- that, this is the value of Valtteri Filippula in the lineup. He does things like that. He has the, the veteran experience to... The hockey is a game of deception. The NHL is a game of deception. And you always want to be fooling the players or showing, uh, as Jeff Merrick would say, show bad information. Uh, and Philpla on his pass to Athanasiu, he just didn't even look. Just looking straight forward, passed it over to Athanasiu, who it caught Jones so far off guard, he wasn't even beginning to move. And that's why it was such an easy shot for double A. This is why pre-scout so important for opposing goalies. Mm-hmm. There was no reality in which Valtteri Philpla was shooting the puck. <laughs> he took a slap shot yesterday. Did you see that? No, you no, sure? you didn't. You were asleep. It was he, in the third period. I missed it. Yeah, he. It, it wasn't a particularly fast one, and it was kind of a fluttery. It's almost like me when I used to take slap shots when when I played double A hockey. Every uh, we'd have a five game series because that's what it was in the playdowns in Ontario. Uh, it was a five game series, and I played defense, and it got to the point where <laughs> when I would wind up for a slap shot. The goalie would move to start to cover the slap pass because he knew what I was about to do. My slap shot was that bad. Uh, but no, Phil Pula took a slap shot, um, which I think might have been the first registered one in his career. He took a couple shots last night. Oh, had a boy. Yeah, he's been a ve- I think he's been the on the entire road trip, uh, one of the best Red Wings. So good for him. Well, it's amazing what happens when you have him on the second line with two guys who legitimately should be on NHL second lines. Uh, that's a very real NHL second line for the Red Wings. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's like a top ten second line in the league. No, it's any probably still a bottom ten one if we're being honest. But, but it's it can now qualifies as a second line. I feel comfortable calling Fabry, Philpula, Athanasiu a second line. Yeah, because that wasn't the Red Wings up until they got Fabry was essentially Athanasiu guy and guy. Yes. Now it's Fabry, Athanasiu, and Super guy. Here's what that second line needs to succeed. And if you're going to think it's Athens to you, you're wrong. It's actually Philpula needs the time and space to do what he does. The guy can't move quick and he doesn't have the abilities he, he was when he was younger. So he needs a little bit more room, a little bit more time to do what he does best. Athens to you will generate that space, but the left wing was essentially useless, whoever they put up there. I mean, it was Ernie, it was uh, Helm, it was Abdelkader, whatever it was. Um, it was basically just dead weight on that line. Fabry is an extremely intelligent player. Not only does he put himself in the right spot, he can move, he can move the puck well, and he can just generate plays from wherever he is. I think two or three of his uh, key assists that have turned to game-winning goals have been along like the boards just between the blue line and the red line in the neutral zone. And that's a hard spot to make plays in because that's a clogged area of the ice, especially teams who play a trap. Um, so Fabry stretching the ice stretching those defenders a little bit gives Philpula the room to do what he does like to work well with Athanasiu so it's just kind of this domino effect so all of a sudden Athanasiu has not only a good opposite winger but a centerman who can now act as a centerman to him so that line was the best line that was by far the best line for Detroit last night as well um the top line was essentially shut down they had like two scoring chances the whole game I think Larkin went out went, went without a shot Bertuzzi didn't have one until the final minute or something like that no, but that that's a good second line. I don't want to say it's going to stay that way. You have someone of Philpula's age. You have someone as streaky as Athens to you, and the sample size on Fabry is still small. You're telling me 
Robbie Fabry isn't on isn't going to score eighty something points this year. Um, no, not this year, but by the end of the twenty twenty portion of the season, yes, he will. Okay, <laughs> okay. Just wanted just just needed some clarification. Just wanted to put that out there. Eh? Uh, no, it was Fabry got two points last night. Yeah, yeah, it's all he's over a point per game. He got the second assist on. Good for him, man. I'm proud of him. It's it's, it's so Fabrizi. Uh six six points because he has two goals. Yeah. Six points in five games. Is it two goals or one goal? He had two goals against Boston in the one game, man. Yeah, yeah. Or sorry, two goals or three goals, I meant to ask. I think it's just the two. I can just click on his name right in front of me and find out. That's probably the better option. Uh, so before we speak again next, which will be either Wednesday or Thursday, Brad, let's do this on air. We Thursday. Go. Thursday? Can we go late? No. Yeah, we can. Thursday, I'm off. So I've I've got whatever. Eh, well, there's definitely the Ottawa game, uh, which will happen before next episode. Thursday is 7 p.m. against the Columbus Blue Jackets, so we might be pumping out the episode right before that. Um, like I said, I'm off. I could do before or after. No matter. Ottawa is the toilet bowl. Toilet yes. bowl round two. <laughs> uh, both Hold on. There's got to be a toilet. Toilet. Uh, the toilet bowl number two. Oh, that's funny. That's good. Is a lot of graphics you can work in there. Yeah, knowing to- the toilet bowl number two, we're just gonna drop this game right in there. No, knowing the meme accounts, they're gonna run with this in a particularly disgusting way. <laughs> uh, injuries for the Red Wings. Everybody Her- who plays defense. Heronic didn't. Heronic out of nowhere. What is even wrong with him? He blocked a shot against Anaheim, and apparently it hurt. Abdul Kader's out for like three weeks. Is it honestly though? With uh, the current. Last night's iteration of the Red Wings forwards was, I think, the best possible grouping and lines you could come up with. I, I think last night, as far as the Red Wings as they're constructed, assuming that we are not calling up Rasmussen, Svechnikov, Valeno, or Zadina this year, last night was as good as you can possibly assemble. They sent down N, which I think was important because he's not good. No. Uh, so Heronics the other day. Mike Green. Had a second child. He welcomed a daughter. So uh, congratulations to Mike Green. His son was born just under one month before my daughter. I got him this time. <laughs> Beat um, him by two weeks. So we all know Mike Green's going to score two power play goals and assist on the game winner in his next game back. Of uh, course. And then get nothing for a month. Nemeth was placed on retroactive injured reserve. It's a whole thing. Yeah. This whole team's beat up. Dennis Cholowski is the best defenseman on this team by a lot right now because... Biega and Malkarath weren't particularly noticeable in any of the games, which no. I'll take as a plus. Yeah. Erickson uh, is might be worse than we remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, Bowie, man. Madison Bowie. I want to talk about Madison Bowie. Oh, boy. We're going to fight. Defensively, he's not good. Defensively, he's atrocious. He's not good. I think we all know this. Would you believe me if I told you Madison Bowie's got five points? Yeah. I've seen it. But what the hell? <laughs> It, that's not bad for a defenseman it's this not early bad. in the season. He's on pace for north of 20 points. It's not bad. I'd want to see it sustained over the course of a year because I'm not sure enough of them haven't been, been fluky for me to believe in that to keep happening. I do think the guy does a good job of inserting himself into the play in, an, in opportune ways to generate offense. That being said, Brad, he is so, so bad on defense. Like... He is, but he's tied for eight, th- six points. 
Oh my god. He's tied for eighth on the team in scoring with Dennis Chalosky and Taro Hirose. I think I'm tied for ninth on the league in point or uh, on the team in scoring. Am yeah. I not? He's already been passed by Robbie Fabry, though, who has seven. <laughs> He's not passable defensively. He just gets walked all game long. He's constantly out of position. You could probably make a montage clip of him doing like a triple pirouette after every period with the amount of times he gets turned around. As long mm. as you get the right clips. But you can't argue he's an upgrade. Over Everybody else that's been playing bottom pair for us for the last eight years. Yeah, it's because the other guys who he's been replacing in the world, the Jonathan Erickson's, the Trevor Daly's and all that stuff are also equally atrocious defensively. But he's already got more points this season than they than Daly and Erickson had last season combined. I'm pretty sure. Mm. So I will take a little bit of an offensive boost on the bottom pair if it means changing absolutely nothing defensively. I'm not going to. If this and, team was a good team, I'd feel bad about Bowie being on there because I wouldn't think that his 20 points are worth probably like the 30 goals that are directly his fault per season. But in this iteration of the Red Wings, it's kind of just like, eh, whatever. It's the same thing when Erickson got called up. Like, I know some people were like, no. And I was like, really? Why do you care? Like, you know, he's going to get sent back down once injuries come through. And we may or, we may never not have injuries, Ryan. Right. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's not. This team's going to suck. They're going to continue to suck. And that's. That's that. So he's not exactly good. He's just going to make things better just by going away. It's just going to get mildly less bad or bad in a different way. Well, if you believe in Bill Peters' motto, no NHL defenseman is truly ready till 300 games. Bowie's, yeah. ba- Bowie's barely a third of the way there. Yeah, not projecting well, though. Again, though, better than it's an upgrade. What he you, is an upgrade. Do you see him as anything better in his at his peak than a number six defenseman on this team. No, but I could see him being a useful number six defenseman on this team because what has Detroit not had in their bottom six since they won a cup? Any uh, or in their bottom pairing since they won a cup? Any offensive ability whatsoever. I so think- when they came on, you knew it was there was no offense going. You were just happy if they didn't get shelled in their own zone. At least with Bowie, we're getting both. If he becomes a useful number six defenseman, I think that is a massive win for Detroit, and I'm not even being sarcastic about that. I think he could. The, the tools are there. Yeah. All the tools are there. It's just between his ears. Um, okay, I'm going to move away from the Red Wings for a bit here. Actually, a lot. Mike Babcock. Mm. Is he going to last the season? I don't know if he's going to last the week at this point. Look, I don't think teams should make reactionary decisions. But it's not like Mike Babcock has been, you know, universally renowned as a coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, with all of his decisions. A lot of his it's not even just the results. It's the decision making itself leading to the results that's become into question. And now this team is like, what, 500? They are literally nine, nine and four. And if our American listeners are wondering why we are talking about this, we live in the heart of Leafland, as we've mentioned countless times. There is a firestorm among the fan base for his head right now we're not going to talk anymore about the topic you know what i'm talking about mike babcock is poised to be literally the most divisive topic in canada soon and that is saying a lot considering what's been happening here he is and see the thing is because part of me i still don't think mike babcock is a bad coach no i don't think he's a bad coach i I don't think he's the right coach for this kind of hockey team that's what i was saying he's he's not a bad coach he's the wrong coach Mm -hmm. this is a team that's built for built for up tempo high offense high octane hockey whether or not you agree that that method works in the nhl nowadays i think it can but 
even if you disagree with it, the Leafs aren't built to play any other way. And Mike Babcock is continuously trying to put a square peg through a round hole. And it's not working. He doesn't he's he's come around a bit on playing his stars more than he used to. They're getting a bit more ice time, but he always has his play toys like Cody CC in the top four. Of course. He he always has his toys that Kyle Dubas has to take away. Last year it was Ron Hainsey. The year before that it was uh Roman Polak. Roman Polak. When he was in Detroit, it was Luke Lindenning. It's like, yeah, these players are fine, but Mike, you can't play them 19 minutes a night when you have these guys, X, Y, and Z. And he just, he can't get out of his own way. He's stubborn. He throws his team under a bus a lot more than I remember. Yeah. Uh, Nothing's ever on him, if you've noticed that with him. He Nothing's ever on him. Like, I've even seen Blasio come out. Yep, nope, I screwed this up. Yep, nope, that's on me. Blah, 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 blah. My team wasn't ready in the first period. That's on me. It's a, I've never once seen Babcock say that. I, to his credit, I think some of that is just a natural amount of uh, defensive response. <laughs> so just like that mic's gonna go yeah my mic just went you know drooped um the, oh that was a good pun ryan you missed it what'd you say i, was I said just like that mic's almost gonna go as you were talking about babcock oh oh ryan brad i'm beleaguered <laughs> um he's not i think it's a i think he's just naturally being defensive because the toronto media is ruthless they will call and like they're they're they do their homework they're like hey mike uh i know you said so and so only deserves like 15 minutes a night but it clearly uh every time you put him out there for more than 12 minutes he gets you an extra like 1.6 goals per game so it looks like you're just blatantly wrong about this decision what do you have to say about that you cost your team four points in standings so he's like just coming out with knives out every time but that's he he literally asked for that, right? He left Detroit to go to Toronto. He turned down more money in Buffalo to go to Toronto. This is what he wanted. So I'm you're not gonna find sympathy for me. No, I never hope for anybody to ever get fired. Cause it just it feels wrong. And these no, are you don't want people. that from people, no. No, but I am so curious because he's still got what five years left on that contract in infinity money. I don't think it's I think it was a seven year contract to start. Oh, that was it. I thought it was eight. I could be wrong. It could be. But it's has it only been three years? It feels longer than that. No, No, it's four. It's your the Blashillera has ruined my time. Yeah, it just feels like a lot longer. He's got it's probably been four or five years in reality. If Mike, if well, first of all, the Toronto Maple Leafs have to make the playoffs to even have this be a conversation. They're currently um, four spots out and three points back of the playoffs, but they've played more games than pretty much anyone else around them. What? They're that far out? Yeah, they have. Oh my god, they're tenth in the East. They have twenty-two points in twenty-two games. Oh, uh, oh as far down and as- Tampa is two points behind them. With five games in hand. How are Toronto and Tampa not in the playoffs? Literally the only teams in the East that can't catch them with games in hand are Ottawa and Detroit. Every other team in the East could pass it, putting Toronto in third last in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah. And and you can't tell me looking at that roster construction that they don't have the talent to be higher than that. You can't. They have... They have a top 10 at worst top 15 goalie in Frederick Anderson. Their defense ain't great, but they still have Morgan Riley, Tyson Berry, and Jake, uh, Muzzin. Jake Muzzin. They should be passable. Travis Dermott's a good young defenseman. And then they have the murderer's row of offense who have all been healthy except for Mitch Marner for about a week and a half. 
Uh, no, Tavares broke his finger, I think. He only missed a few games, so. Tavares. And I think they actually won a few of those games. Tavares is the problem. We figured it out. You have two top 10 centers. You have arguably a top three player in the world in Matthews. You have Mitch Marner. You have William Nylander. You have freaking everyone else. Kasperi Kaffin and Zach Hyman, who just came back, so that doesn't count too much. Who's your worst center? Alex Kerfoot? How are you? Oh, yeah, they have Kerfoot and Andreas Janssen. There's there's no excuse to be losing. There's legitimately none. Before every single year as this progressed, I the the issue got a little bit more and more serious. But now I'm I think if you're you're calling this, where do you lie on the scale? I'm closer to the Toronto needs to get rid of Babcock to find success. And what a tur- what a twist that would be because Babcock, from the moment he was in Detroit or after he won the cup in Detroit to the last couple of years, has been widely regarded as the best coach in hockey. He's the one who broke the ice with that massive contract to get everyone else's big co- uh, that big money, and that wouldn't have happened without his reputation. And look how it's going now: a late season surge, mid season surge, or just like normal level play. All of a sudden, they get into the playoffs and they make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, and that status is back. But best indicator of future events is past. Events. So. Do you know? What, do you know what really pisses me off about the St. Louis Blues? Hmm. The fact that they were so far behind in the standings last year and won the cup. Do you know how many teams, including the Leafs, are quoting that right now? Ugh. Yeah, we're not good, but hey, the Blues came all the way from last to win the cup. You know you're all probably wrong, right? There's a reason that's happened once in hockey history. Oh, yeah. We t- we've been, we talked about it all offseason. St. Louis ruined everything in terms of realistic uh, team yeah. rebuild expectations because pretty much you just had Ken Holland and uh, whoever else, like whatever the Edmonton GM was and... Um, Chirelli at the time, every year they just scrape in eighth or just miss that ninth and then be like, well, you just have to get in and then who knows what will happen. Well, no, the best team will get 16 wins first. It almost always happens that way, right? <laughs> you need to it, – it's not uh, so common that St. Louis is going to do this, but because St. Louis came from last, they relied a lot on wearing their team out and playing hard-hitting hockey, which, again, fun hockey to watch. You love to cheer for the team. You love to root for them. You you love to watch them beat Boston. But again, that kind of hockey, that kind of team, in that kind of position in the middle of the season, 99% of the time is not going to win. But yet the Toronto Maple Leafs are sitting here and they can realistically say, yeah, no, it could be us. And they have the talent that, hey, it could be them. I mean, St. Louis got rid of their coach midseason, though, which was the ultimate point I was getting to there. Yes. It just reminds me so much of when um, Toronto fired... Uh, can't remember who it was. Terrian, was it? Brought in Disco when, Dan. Oh, in Pittsburgh, yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, Pittsburgh. Brought in Disco Dan, won the cup. And did they not do the same thing? Yeah, they got rid of Disco Dan and brought in Mike Sullivan and won a cup. It works a lot, surprisingly so. Is that why we're waiting to get rid of Blast Shill? Yes. When there's a year, it looks like we might actually do something. Okay, yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They'll probably give them half a season with a good roster. Yeah, be like, yeah, never mind. Jeff, get out of here. <laughs> Man. We're, we're, we're like 700 right now. Yeah, no, get out. Look at Je- Imagine Jeff Blashill with the Toronto roster, though. I leg- That's the thing, though. I legitimately don't know what would happen. I think it would be more of the same with what's going on with Toronto right now because he's. Yeah. He comes from the Babcock school of thought, but. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. He could surprise people. I don't think he will. I think you're, you're going to see a lot of what you have with Mike Babcock right now, but. I don't know, man. It, that's primed for a big old everyone sticking us and every other pundit the finger. 
saying we told you. Actually, it was not even. I think it's the fan base is screaming for it at this point. The organization's being smart about it, though. It's like, what do you want the guy to do with this roster? It's fine for now. What Detroit can't have happen is exactly what's happening in Toronto right now. You hold on to the wrong coach for too long, and then all of a sudden it burns you. No. Because, again, again, you can say, yeah, well, Toronto's had uh, some injuries this year, and, you know, every team goes through its streak, and it's still pretty early in the season, so you can't really blame Babcock. No, but, I mean, they haven't got out of the first round of the playoffs with that roster, so that says something. Sure, they've run into Boston a lot, but they got to Game 7 with Boston twice. You think they would win. (laughs) <laughs> one of them and then you could say well that's not Babcock's fault team just had an off night and then you remember while well, Toronto got down early against Boston last year and Austin Matthews only played 18 minutes that game down by a goal or two so um whereas Patrick Marlowe I think played more so you know yes, I'm yes. just I'm just saying in some in a lot of ways you can uh the bab clock is ticking i'm sure there's gonna be plenty of that uh all you have to do is turn literally any tv in your house on and you're gonna be hearing more about it did you see the matt calvert thing in colorado i did took a puck to the face with uh, vancouver on the power play um bleeding not motionless on the ice but very clearly in a lot of pain pain the first thing Elias Pettersson did was call for like to say he put his hand up to say stop the play like get this guy help the ref just let it go first uh Elias Pettersson is like you cannot hate the guy legitimately the most loved and lovable player in the NHL right now what a good dude um secondly I get it Vancouver has control of the puck down by two with a few couple minutes left but the guy was bleeding he took a puck to the face you see the puck to the face, and you see the fact that he's not moving. You got to blow that play dead, right? You have to. I like what Nathan McKinnon said. Came out and said after, "It's not the Canucks' fault. It's not the refs' fault. It's just a bad rule." Yeah, that rule needs to change immediately. There needs to be more. If I want almost no discretion or subjectivity in NHL rules, but that's a rule where I want complete subjectivity. If a ref decides that a guy's in, dis- like, if someone's health is at yeah. risk, blow the play dead. It's yeah. hockey. It's a sport. If a guy blocks a shot in the ankle while the other team while they've been burned on the ice for a minute and a half and they're gassing and the ref goes, ah, that's not an injury that's going to kill you and I'm not 100% sure you're not faking because of the situation, you can wait. You can keep it going. Sure. I, I'm here for that. Or you can implement. Here's the thing that I hate about the NHL. They're very good about adapting, but they don't get creative enough with the rule changes because I understand from this perspective in this instance Vancouver, this is a critical moment. And Vancouver ended up scoring on this play while Calvert was down and then ended up scoring a minute later to tie the game. It was a massive play in the game for Vancouver. Yeah, it was. So you don't want to take that momentum away from them and give them a 50-50 face-off. This is where the part of my brain goes, why does there need to be a face-off? Start the – blow the whistle dead. Get the guy help. Colorado's not allowed to change. They have to stay on the ice. Even You could even say if you want Vancouver guys have to stay on the ice just because we're going to pick up the play. And then you give the puck to a Canuck on the half wall, blow the whistle, play on. They start with possession. There's no reason we can't do that other than we've never done that before. And it's so uncommon, too, that it would not be a huge like impact on the game where you would see it all the time or it would change anything too drastically. You set everyone roughly in the same position that they were in, 
blow your whistle, start the play. It's like very unconventional, but I think it's an interesting solution to that problem, actually. It's no different than um, when the ball goes out of bounds in basketball. You're giving it to the guy and he can throw it into his team. So yeah, give the puck to Pedersen on the half hole and he can do whatever the hell he wants with it on the whistle. Even better, give it to the coach who tosses it into his player. <laughs> Let's do it. Give it to a fan in the fourth row and you pay premium to be in that seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, other news I want to talk about before we head over to overtime is uh, uh, Brennan Peary went on waivers. Uh, notably, or it was notable because he's generally regarded as a pretty good player. And um, a pretty good goal scorer. Yes. Now, obviously had a hard time cracking the lineup in Vegas. Um, has kind of been around the league. I think this was five teams for him. He's 28 years old. So by no means is he like this absolute superstar who, you know, it was ridiculous that he was being waived. Vegas has a very strong roster. Good players are not going to crack it. That's just the reality of it. But you look at his ability to score goals. Um, you look at his – obviously, he's a streaky player. But when he's on, he does a good job of it. And then you look at his underlying numbers. and He's he's good at every facet of the ice. I mean, he was playing with Cody Eakin in Vegas. And so it's kind of hard to generate too much offensively there or be terribly defensively responsible. But still, his, his numbers were really good. Uh, shoots above league uh, league average, and then great penalty differential, good offense, responsible in his own zone. I didn't think Detroit was going to pick him up. I think Detroit is probably done for now, considering think the roster jam with the whole pick up talent for cheap thing. And I think they have 48 contracts, so they're probably at the point of contract in, contract out. Yeah, um, but I'm surprised no one did pick him up. He's not good in most aspects of the game. He has, I think, the funniest stat line in NHL history. I think when he was with Florida, he had a season where he had 23 goals and, like, one assist. Are you serious? He had, like, the ultimate... The Johan Franzen special. The Cy Young year, 23-1, and one, um, or Ooh. something like that, which I'm going to look up. But it's just... He's on the older side, too. If, if Detroit had picked him up as a reclamation project, I'd have been cool with it. They didn't. I'm cool with it. I don't think he's... A needle mover, but yeah, you think someone with his particular skill set would Wait. be... Uh, so anyway, sorry, as I was talking about it, 14-15 with the Florida Panthers, 49 games played, 22 goals, 2 assists. Waivers are funny. Like, the Hosang not being picked up was funny. I, it started... It was at a point in the season where teams were still playing with their uh, contract numbers, and they're usually all up against the brim there, and you don't give a contract back when putting someone on waivers, so... Um, there is a lot of talent that moves through. And can you reasonably say that Hosang and Piri aren't better than a lot of teams' replacement-level players that they have as their 13th forward or 7th defenseman? They are. What was the one joke that one day on waivers, the wingers that were available were better than just the Edmonton Oilers wingers? Yeah, pretty much. You remove McDavid and Dreisaitl, and all of a sudden you have a team that's better. But for how much we love the salary cap, creating parity, this is what the salary cap has. You can It, it makes it difficult to pick players up for free. Yeah. Because you have contract limits, cap implications. Uh, can we get more dollars in without moving more dollars out? It's actually better for us to trade a guy to get this guy than it is to just take this guy and the other team get rid of him. It's like, well, no, we're getting rid of him because we're at contract max, so we can't take a guy back, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get in this infinity loop of hell. Um, yeah, it's not the end of the world. I didn't think it was like absolutely flooring. But yeah, uh, Peary, I thought, would be... At least an idea, but there's, like Brad mentioned, there's a lot of different nuances to this, so you're going to see some aversion to uh, waiver pickups. All right, Brad, let's do this. No. Yes. No. 
We're going to overtime. Mm-hmm. Overtime on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is brought to you by Motor City Garages. Family owned and operated and servicing Metro Detroit. They do garage floor and cabinets, overhead racks, wall storage, uh, five game point streaks on West Coast road swings and car lifts. Enough of the messy garages everyone is sick of walking through. It's time to turn it into something useful. Whether you like to work on your car or if you like an organized space, we have you covered. 3D designs and a lifetime warranty. Motor City Garages park in style. We're going to head over to Patreon where we say thank you to our patrons who support this show and make this all possible. Make this whole pod. We've been calling it the pod loft in the house. So that's what I'll start calling it here. The studio, the pod loft, everything that we're outfitting it with. Um, paint's done. This is all happening because of the patrons. Craig. Uh, no, we won't start. We have two more before Craig. Craig, you're rushing us here. Uh, Matt Cheney says, Matt Cheney says, Hey boys, I still can't believe uh, people are trying to drag down Ron McLean with Don. I mean, come on. Ron is the Bob Ross of hockey. You just can't hate the guy. Anyways, I swear the only thing getting me through the season is watching the Leaf fan base slowly lose sanity. Have you seen their subreddit as of late? What's your favorite dumpster fire other than the wings to watch so far this year? Oh, uh, well, I haven't gone to Leaf subreddit for moral reasons. Um, other dun- There's not a lot of dumpster fires going on in the NHL right now. Ottawa's surprisingly competent. Uh, it was Detroit for a bit. We were the other dumpster fire. I think we're our own favorite dumpster fire. Right? We, we're turning it around, though. Um, yeah. So- by the way, has nobody talked about what's Dallas is, what, 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10? Remember when everybody was piling on them? San Jose is now rattled off, what, six wins in a row? It's amazing how, with a little patience, everything works itself out, which is exactly the opposite of what we're saying Toronto should do. <laughs> he said, having an epiphany. <laughs> Austin Hooser says, Hooser or Hoiser? I'm sorry, man. I, I, I'm going to go with Hooser. Austin Hooser says, what's up, gent? Hoser. Hoser. Austin Take Hoser. Me to church. <laughs> Austin Hoser says, what's up, gents? Loving the new level of compete from the wings, basically, since the Fabry trade. Is this just an up on the roller coaster that is the season, or is Stevie just that good? Can it be both? Uh, I'm going to say it's a little bit of both, but it's more just the up part of the roller coaster. Either way, the sixth overall pick in the draft seems like a lock. Also, let's say Athanasiu keeps up this nice little hot streak, and towards the trade deadline, he's sitting on 20-ish goals. Does Stevie Stevie look to trade high on him? It's a very real concept that uh, Iserman is entertaining as of right now. I still do think Athanasiu could fetch a higher price than he's actually worth, and you always want to evaluate those kinds of trade opportunities. I wouldn't say dump him for nothing, as some people are clamoring for. Um, Please, for the love of God, stop citing plus-minus. But he, if he can get like a really big return, you got to look at that. Uh, keep up the great work, loving all the shows, content, and random unsubstantiated rumors. Athanasiu and a sixth for Drysital, no salary retained. Make it so. Athanasiu for Puliarvi and a first. I have spoken. Craig Kibble says, last episode, you guys were mentioning Nathan Gerby, and I figured it was time for a story. Way, way back uh, when I was in first grade, I asked a girl named Brienne to be my girlfriend. To my surprise, she said yes. After that day, we never spoke again. That girl is Nathan Gerby's older sister. Since we never talked again, we were basically still together. More or less, he's my (laughs) brother-in-law. All jokes aside, I was really surprised that he got some time on the pod. It's always cool to see a hometown kid uh, get somewhere. He's also scored a couple goals against the Wings over the years. Yeah, I remember. Uh, He actually, I I think it was like they were pretty close together. I was like, really? We're going to get scored on this much by Nathan Gerby? I like the guy. Um, He makes me feel tall. Austin Trotman says, if Stevie was to trade Mantha, what is the minimum return you would want for him? Oh, you're talking first. You're talking first plus for Mantha. 
Oh, I'm not even accepting a pick for Mantha unless it's the top five. Like I now, now let's assume the Red Wings didn't stock up at defense in the last two drafts to the point where we still thought that would be the organizational's number one need. I'm not trading Mantha unless I'm getting a top pairing defenseman in return and not just like, oh, this guy can play. No, no, no. I want a good top pairing like defenseman. Like age 23 to 25 top pairing defenseman. Like Kale McCarr, please. <laughs> would you do that right now, Anthony Mantha for Kale McCarr? Are you high? I would give up Anthony Mantha plus <laughs> plus for Kale McCarr. He's, uh, no, he's, on, he's on the same scoring pace sh- sh- as Anthony be Mantha. Cool, be cool, be cool. <laughs> Chris uh, Stingline says, who gets the axe first, Blashill or Babcock? Oh, if it's – well, after – Blashill survived that one little blowout string there. I think it's Babcock. I think Blashill's making it to the end of the year. I think the organization has spoken. I think Blashill's definitely staying to the end of the year. I think there's a really good chance he they pick up the option as well. I think it's Babcock. I I would right now put a little bit of money down that Babcock could, doesn't make it um, more than a week after the end of the season. Fifty dollars, twenty dollars. $10. <laughs> Can you guys tell how broke Brad, the now twice father, is? You want to make a bet? If I lose, can you give me money still? Yeah, I'll give you money, pal. All right. $10. I said if I lose. Yeah, I, I know. I feel bad. <laughs> uh, we need more patrons. <laughs> Chris Smith says the return of Big E to the wing seems to have made its biggest impact on the Griffins last night, seeing how Larson got shelled. I may have been calling for his head for years, but I think he can be a huge help for the young guys in Grand Rapids and would love to see him finish his career there. I love to see that. I've seen a few people mention that, and I think that's a great way um for Erickson to make his impact on the organization he's a super smart guy and he's well loved in the organization so if he rounds out his time there and then stays in the organization and management that's great also have you guys seen the heater that elmer soderblom is on in the super elite league 15 goals and 16 assists in 20 games boy and at 6-7 with a pretty good shot i hope we found our latest rate late round future hall of famer huge tear for him um important to note that he's a huge huge essentially man playing with uh younger kids still right it's, it's a under 20 league but generally once you get drafted into the nhl most prospects graduate from the junior league which is why it's a little rare that we have soderblom in sweden and tuomisto in finland both still playing in their junior leagues but that being said when you get guys uh like tuomisto and soderblom of their physical dimensions and their talents playing an extra year of junior you would hope they dominate those leagues yeah. And they are both dominating their leagues. So we are absolutely allowed to be happy about that. Uh, no, yeah. And it's it's not a knock on him at all. So huge for him to be doing that. That's exactly what you want to see. With all that being said, which Euro prospect, aside from Greva, uh, as I know you all seem really excited about uh, post-draft, are you most excited about? For me, it's Albert Johansson. His numbers look good, and he's plus six in the SHL and is still only 18. Hoping to see him in a Griffin sweater next year. Uh, until further notice, my answer is and will continue to be Jonathan Bergeron. I was going to say it has to be Bergeron unless he drops off a cliff, which is very – it's a very real chance considering his, his back injury was no joke and he missed a lot of good time. Like you never want a prospect to miss a full year of that kind of development. It's the same thing that's kind of making us nervous with McIsaac right now is he's had to miss a lot of time. Uh, but still, he – was a first-round talent that the Red Wings got in the second round, which was um, important. He could be a top-six winger for Detroit. McIsaac's timetable on the return from his shoulder injury is not making me feel any better over here. <laughs> I was wondering why you were making a face at me. 
I was like, no, McIsaac's still injured, man. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. I, trust me. I know, right? Oh, man. Imagine being McIsaac. Yikes. That would suck. Couldn't be me. Anyway, Stone Turkey says, hi, diddly Oh, neighbor. You know, I hope you guys watch the filthy Athenasiu goal at the top of the second against the Sharks. I'm down in Santa Rosa working the Kincaid fire, so I watched the game on the Sharks broadcast, and even the Homer casters were singing the praises of Athenasiu's speed and ability to split the D. We know he's a streaky player, so I hope everyone eventually learns to stop with the trade rumors every time he's on a cold stretch. Oh, man. They're going to continue. Uh, thanks again for the great content, boys. Late congrats to Brad and Crystal on King Henrik. As always, stay fresh, cheese bags. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I didn't have the baby. Why did I say thank you? Thank you. Thank you for Brad's baby. Harun <laughs> Khan says, hey, guys, out of all the promising prospects that we have in our system, who do you think is going to be the best prospect and who do you think is going to ex- exceed all expectations? Um, Jonathan Bergen, <laughs> yeah. because of the injury injury bugs. Um, and the surprise prospect? Don't take my answer because you already took my first answer. And if you take both, you're rude. Well... Uh, like are we are we talking like just basically anybody outside of a first round pick? I'm gonna pick two because I feel like one's cheating because he was picked fairly high. Uh, based on how the early season goes, I am all aboard the Robert Master Simone hype train. Okay. And uh, for I mean Soderblom's the obvious answer here, but if you're looking further down the pipeline about a guy nobody's really talking about, and you're kind of hoping that maybe three, four, five years down the road. Something unexpected happens, like truly unexpected. Cooper Moore has been having a good season in the BCHL. Uh, okay, you're good. You're you're safe. Cooper Moore was a sleeper for me. Uh, I also think Berggren has the biggest potential to be a bust. Um, again, that's not because of him as a player, but more of his injury. Um, Tuomisto, I think he was drafted early in the second round. I was going like, to say, way to pick 35th overall there, Ryan. Right? But it was a, <laughs> it was a surprise 35th overall. Yeah, and that's true. We didn't love the pick, and I, I still, going back, would have preferred other players. Um, but by all rights, you see him and you see uh, is Johansson, right? Albert, Albert Johansson, yeah. yeah. Um, those two guys are a lot of scouts are singing the praises of those two picks. So I think Tuomiso or even Johansson could be the surprise or players that Exceed expectations. I haven't been paying too close of attention, but I saw on a Twitter feed Kirill Chuchiev had a, a three-assist game over in Russia. So hmm. you never know. Seventh-round pick, maybe. Uh, maybe doing some things. They continue to say, plus, I really hate the Sharks. Uh, I wish Larkin would have put the breakaway in the back of the net, but oh, well. Thanks, guys. Oh, uh, you missed this, Brad. Larkin, like, the most clear. It was a breakaway from his own blue line onwards, and no one came close. He launched the puck into the stratosphere. <laughs> It was backhand into the tenth row of I've, the upper deck. I've had that happen to me more than a couple of times. You, as soon as you make the move and you try to shelf it over the goalie, and the puck just hits anything in the ice. That Uh-oh. thing is, it doesn't miss by a little bit. It's, it misses by a lot. There's no worse feeling than when you you're you're motioning for the backhand and you're not looking down at the puck at that point, and you feel the puck just fall flat completely on the top of your blade as you're swinging up, and you're like, oh shit. Yeet! He <laughs> <launched it> straight <laughs> up. <laughs> just he just yeeted the puck into yeah. the concourse. <laughs> oh, actually, on the NHL.com stat tracker, it's uh, Dylan Larkin yoted the puck. <laughs> yoted yeah. the puck. He didn't yeet yeeted the puck. He no, yoted. he yoted. Yeah, come on, Brad, have some culture. Garrett TV says, "All right, hockey ami- uh, hockey amingos. <laughs> Let's play a little hockey version of Furk Mary Kill. In this case, it's trade sign wave, but with RFAs for each of the three RFAs. Pick one that you'll either trade." aka the quick and fun way like a FERC, sign the longer term marriage commitment or wave the hockey death that is a very clever game 
For the sake of argument, let's assume the sign is for four years and at market value. First up, the low-hanging fruit. Would you trade sign kill Bowie, Hiroshi, Ernie? Bowie, Hiroshi, Ernie? Yeah. Uh, I am going to... Oh. Trade Bowie, sign Hiroshi, kill Ernie. Yeah, exact same for me. Uh, top tier, Mantha, Bertuzzi, Athanasio. Oh, boy. Um, sign Mantha without a beyond a shadow of a doubt. Agreed. Uh, I'm going to say trade Bertuzzi because I think his trade value is higher than Athanasius right now. I think you're on drugs. I think most people will assume that his production is coming from Mantha and Larkin. Uh, NHL teams are stupid. This is why David Clarkson got paid. And oh then I God, guess I'm firing off Athanasiu into the stratosphere. The reclamation projects, Fabry, Perlini, Sveshnikov. Sign Fabry, trade Perli- or trade Sveshnikov, wave Perlini. Right? Yes. Uh, the depth fringe, Kasky, Kuffner, Turgeon. Sign Kasky, trade Turgeon, uh, Kuffner to the sun. If Dillaro's got... Um, Fabry Turgeon should still get like a good third line player. Yeah. <laughs> Bonus round: the loathed UFA defenders, Big E, Green, Daly. Oh my god! God, well, it's signing Green because I don't want anyone, anyone, anywhere near this team. Um, sign Green, trade Daly, wave Big E. Yep, those things might happen. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, boys! I know you're tired, but I hope this helps you grind it out. Get pucks deep and roll four lines. Let's go, Red Wings. We appreciate it. And so, you guys know, we're not going to stay tired forever. Um, just to give you- <laughs> <laughs> statistically speaking, I'm going to outlive my kids. Uh, sorry, my kids are going to outlive me. So yeah, I'm going to be tired until I die. Uh, all three of us. Well, uh, we again, we don't speak for Evan, but right now, essentially every day after work and before the podcast, I go home and I literally work on renovating this house, uh, which has a podcast studio in it. And Brad has two small children. <laughs> so uh, we will eventually, once the studio is done, is when we are planning on sprinting, like kicking it into high gear, including more YouTube stuff. Jethro E says, if Babcock gets fired, do we all win? Because F Toronto hard. Hashtag because the Maple Leafs suck. Hashtag the Rock said so. Oh. If The Rock said so, that's science. Yep. Speaking of science, Rowan says, Good day, Dud Duds. Our favorite Western Ontario Athletic Association senior AA hockey team has picked up where they left off with yet another OT loss. The question on everyone's lips is, will one Brad Crisco be healthy enough for the revenge game this coming Saturday versus Tavistock? I will not be anywhere near it. I right Brad now, may need surgery. <laughs> uh, right now, my best case scenario is uh, I'll be back early January. Um, around Christmas time, give or take, uh, very real possibility my season's done. So, uh, I will actually probably have a very rough idea on that tomorrow because I have uh, an appointment with a specialist down at the fracture clinic. So, if everything's torn in there, I'm done for a while. If it's not torn, six to eight weeks. Is this the end of Brad Crisco's career? I mean, this next season. <laughs> um, it's been good to see the top six pick uh, it up after hashtag elite mentor and plus minus leader Darren Helm spent some time with the young blokes to teach them how to hockey good again. Please discuss his obviously positive impact and how it directly benefited the team. Hey, I don't have a bad thing to say about Helm this year. He's been one of Detroit's best players. So I wouldn't say one of the best, but he's been pleasantly surprising. Uh, on a non-hockey related note, I'm beginning to think the Lions may not make the Super Bowl this season. Oh, yeah. From the moment that Packers game got called, I just threw it out the window. 
Brad, are you okay? You're convulsing. Not saying I'm not gonna talk about it. Not gonna talk about it. You can't. You literally can't afford to. I I cannot. Can I? If I don't say the team name, can I say just like the record? Yeah, sure. Seven and three. Oh yeah, I lied. You that counts. You oh no, too late. It's too late. Too late. <laughs> I lied. That's the way the world works. Too Brad. late. Put it in the jar. Adam, Adam Ernie, seven three. Right. That's his number. That's his number, Adam Ernie. Jersey time. Can we talk about Adam Ernie a bit longer? Discuss the idea of uh, teams wearing their primary color jerseys when there's no clash, i.e. Red Wings versus any blue team or green team for that matter. Hashtag stay fresh cheese bags. So I love the concept, but um, thanks to Thursday Night Football and their color rush, um, I actually found out I'm actually going to bring them up because it's relevant to the conversation. So it happened uh, two or three years ago. The Bills played the Jets in a... Thursday night football game, they both wore their color rush jerseys, so the Bills wore red and the Jets wore green. Now, apparently, that caused a ton of confusion for colorblind people because in their whatever uh, spectrum that they can see, they looked very damn similar. So you would have to be... Oh, yeah, yeah, red, green, colorblind. Exactly. So they could not tell the difference between the two teams, so you would have to be very... I like the idea and I'm here for it, but you'd have to be very cognizant of that. Um, Unrelated... Uh, Kirby Doc, two goals tonight. He's got two. Yeah, not I a boy. So. Way to prove me wrong. Uh, well, should I say be happy about him proving me wrong? Because I said I'd be happy if he proved me wrong, but now he plays for Chicago, so I, I feel like I'm even angrier. You ruined it. <laughs> yeah, if he was playing for LA, I'd be thrilled for the guy. But nah, screw this guy. Uh, if cider wasn't going very well for Detroit, I'd be sad. Well, uh, we wouldn't. Have go- we can't be sad as running fans. We didn't get Doc because he didn't make it to us. No, it's if Trevor Zegers or Dylan Cousins or Vasily Pod Colson blows up, then we're going to be a little upset. <laughs> Joseph Fournier says, "Do do 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 do." Time for Athens to see you one for one trades. Today's content- contestants. Uh, these contestants are the top ten contract equivalents according to Cap Friendly, either currently or on their previous entry level deal. Uh, currently on or their previous entry level deal. Danton Heinen. One for one with no Chris Tierney. No Max Domi. Oh man, that one's tough. Um, Let me look up those stats. Because, ooh, how many points did Domi play center? He does play center. How many points did Athens you have last year? I think you got to go yes. I think, yeah, that that's right there. Uh, age, though. Oh, how, how old is They're pretty, they got to be four. So they're basically the same age. Yeah. Yeah. JT Miller. You do it for JT Miller? Buddy, he's over. I think he's over a point per game this year. That one's tough. I might do it. Boone Jenner? No. Kevin Hayes? No. Tomas Hurdle? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Strom? No. Michael Granlin? No. Ryan Spooner? No. Yeah. Hurdle, Domi, maybe Miller, definitely. Uh, cheers, my friends. Let's enjoy our third year in a row drafting six overall. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Stay fresh, cheese bags. For when you get hit in the head on the Colorado penalty kill, wrap up your... Bleeding wound with a stay fresh cheese bag while Col- Vancouver takes a full minute to score. Man, that ref has to feel bad today. Philip Gastineau says, hey, boys, I inquired about joining a beer league next season last week, and the next thing I know, I'm already on a team with my first game tomorrow. Just picked up all my gear today. It'll be my first time putting on skates in years. Haven't played hockey in about 10 years. Give me some advice. Uh, have fun. Have fun. Don't be afraid to fall. Uh, if there's a guy going all out, Hitting, stay away from him in the corners. And if skating is a struggle for you, just remember how many goals are scored five feet from the crease. Um, just hang out there. So Max is the one who sent me that tweet uh, with the doc goals. And he said he's he also pointed out he's having a better year than Capo Caco right now. 
<laughs> Let's see how that one holds up in a few years. Just saying. We ha- uh, we have some time for uh, some Reddit questions. Uh, Han Solo Mail says, which is more realistic? Mantha becomes a perennial 45 goal scorer. High- or Cider becomes an effective top two defenseman. More likely? Yeah. Cider, because you know how hard it is to hit 45? <laughs> Continually, yeah. So I, I think, yeah. Especially you consider Cider's going to be a top two defenseman on this team for sure. <laughs> Maybe as soon as next year. Uh, Athena see you next Tuesday. Asked us about the um, Calvert situation on Twitter. Wings fan sixty four says, "Hey guys, we've seen a lot of D men on this I- on the ice this season already. If you were to pick Detroit's defensive line combos, assuming everyone is healthy, which six guys are you going with right now? Assuming we're leaving Cider down for the whole developmental reasons, yeah. Uh, my top pair would be Heronic to Kaiser. Yes, agreed. My second pair would be uh, Chalosky and Nemeth." I don't love the handedness there, but I think Chalosky's past green in the effectiveness category. And my bottom pair would be green, green Bowie. You go green Bowie. Who else would you really go other than Bowie, though? Uh, Daly, uh, Kasky. Uh, I'll say Bowie. Just Hicketts, for the- Biega. Matt you know what? I'll say Hicketts just because I like the guy. But pretty much that top five has to be what brad said like yeah it, like that would be my top four based on effectiveness but i don't think you would you should actually play chalowski with nemeth and vice versa because of the whole handedness thing it's probably better to go nemeth green chalowski bowie but i'm gonna go a little bit off the board heronic chalowski um green to kaiser nemeth bowie bowie yeah i could do that but i think that would also bring heronic's ice time down which i'm not a probably. i'm not a fan of Darn Fox is from all of these. Guylander, Van Pottelberger, Bratstrom, Petrozelli, Eliason, Larson, and Fulcher. Who do you think has the best chance to be our full-time goalie? In order? Larson. L- Larson, Petrozelli, Eliason, Van Pottelberger, Fulcher, Guylander, and then who the hell ever else? Bratstrom. There you go. Guylander is a pretty big unknown still. Um, Having a good year in a lower league. Yeah. So, but no, definitely it's Larson, the by far and gone the the front runner there. And I, I feel like Petroselli and Eliasson could be swapped. Oh, I thought you said Larson. My brain said Larson there for a second. Oh boy, uh, Chris Cannell says I'm here for the Athanasiu heaters. That's all. That's the comment. That's yeah, we are too. All right, guys, that's this week's episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, again, just. The, the clock is ticking. I mean, Mel and I have to move by November 30th. Uh, but within the next few weeks, we will be in the new studio, which means YouTube comp- content will be ramping up. Um, I often retweet Mel's progress. She has the blog. So if you want to see how the disaster is going, check that out. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our listeners, all of our Patreon supporters, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Ryan Lewis, Sean Levine, Math- Matt McKay, Hannah Lee, Kaylin Wood, Jacob Turner, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Rob Thiel, Craig Kibble, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Simon Anderson. Thank you all so very much. We will see you later this week. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.